Hey everyone, welcome to HDB Podcasts. Great to be with you again today. Today's talk is from our associate vicar, Catherine Chow. Good morning, 11.30. I have a friend who makes films and documentaries, and he told me that he has a poster that hangs in his office that looks a bit like this. Now, um, this is a diagram. I'm not sure if you can see, but this is your life in weeks. And it assumes that you're going to live until you're 80. And every circle represents one week of your life. And he told me that the reason he has this poster hanging on his office wall is because it reminds him every day that life is short and to make every moment count. And when he looks at that poster, it kind of sharpens his thinking. Will he do that project or this project? Will he say yes to this or no to that? And um, I'm not sure what you think when you look at that poster. I know some of you will be inspired, encouraged, seize the day, 2024 is my year kind of vibes. And some of you may be thinking, that poster is very scary. And I am in that camp. In fact, what is more scary than that poster is there is a website. And I know there's a website because I went on it this week. And basically, you put in your date of birth, and then you submit your date of birth, and then it generates an image much like that one. But instead of blank circles, it blacks out all the weeks you've already lived. Now, um, when I saw that, I did stop for a moment and looked at the balance of like weeks already lived and weeks still to go. And I was, I was quite shocked because if I'm lucky enough to live till 80, I've only got 40 more Christmases to enjoy. That was a wake-up call. Eight years ago, I had a very honest conversation with God. And the conversation was triggered because I discovered how fragile and short life really is. Um, Eight years ago, I lost my father in a very swift battle with cancer. And that incident um, really forced me to ask a lot of questions, because suddenly I realized that not only um, is not every, everyone doesn't live till 80. My dad didn't get to live till 80. And so I started to ask a lot of questions. I mean, every question, I asked because I was really wrestling with a lot of stuff in life. And one of the questions that I wrestled with is, what am I doing with my life? How am I spending my time? What am I really building and investing in? And it was a really dark and challenging season. Actually, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to live through. And I think I really just felt quite lost in my life. I I would describe it as feeling quite adrift. It felt like the ground underneath me was gone and had swallowed me whole. And in that season, although I was feeling um, emotionally just quite drained, the pragmatic part of my brain kicked in and was like, well, what are you going to do about this? And so naturally, I went on the interwebs and I found this diagram 
And I thought that this diagram would help me figure out what I was doing in my life and it would help me to move closer to what I should be doing in my life. And the diagram is based on a Japanese concept called Ikigai. Now, some of you have may have seen it, but um, the diagram breaks up your life into four main areas. What you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. It looks at passion, profession, vocation and mission. I mean, it's, it's quite colourful. And I spent quite a lot of time looking at that diagram and trying to figure out um, how this was going to help me. And at the centre of the diagram, where all the areas merge and converge, is in the centre. And there is a circle, and it, it, in this diagram it says Ikigai. And Ikigai is defined as your reason for getting up in the morning and where you should focus your efforts to find ultimate fulfillment. Um, the ikigai at the center is, is what gives a person a sense of purpose and a reason to live. Now, eight years ago, when I looked at that diagram, it was a really helpful tool. And um, as I really kind of delved into every area of my life, what I realized was something was missing from the diagram. Because as a person of faith, who has put my trust in the person of Jesus, my life only makes sense when Jesus is at the center. Jesus is my ikigai. Jesus is the one who gives me a reason every morning to wake up and keep going. Jesus is the one who has given me purpose meaning, vision, belonging, community. And in addition to all those things, it is Jesus who has given me an unshakable identity and a deep form of security. He is the solid rock on which you can build your life through every stage, through every season, and through every storm in life. And in Ephesians 2, verses 9 to 10, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are saved by God's grace, and you can experience his love, which is totally unconditional. But in addition to that, you've been created by God to do good works. You are his masterpiece, his work of art, his poema, which means kind of like poetry. You are created by God to do good things which he has prepared in advance for you to do. And the only way you're going to discover why you're here and what you're meant to be doing on this earth, which, to be honest, is a journey and adventure of a lifetime. But the only way you discover it is by having a real relationship with the living God. The God who knit you together in your mother's womb the God who created you and formed you and knows exactly who you are. Someone once said 
the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Birthdays are important. But the most important day of your life is the day you decide to let Jesus in, to surrender control and invite him to be at the center of your life as your Lord and Savior. And if you've made that decision, your ultimate goal in life is not your own personal happiness. If you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, the ultimate goal is to become spiritually mature and to become more and more like Jesus every single day. The pastor and theologian John Stott says this in his book on Ephesians. He says, the readers of the letter to the Ephesians have two homes, for they reside equally in Christ and in Ephesus. All Christians are similar and live both in Christ and in the secular world. So you live in Jesus and with Jesus, and you also live in London. He goes on to say this, many of our spiritual troubles arise from our failure to remember that we are citizens of two kingdoms. We tend either to pursue Christ and withdraw from the world, or become preoccupied with the world and forget that we're also in Christ. Through Christ and in Christ, we are nothing less than God's new society, the single new humanity which he is creating. We are the family of God the Father, the body of Jesus Christ the Son, and the dwelling place and the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is a beautiful picture which John Stotts paints for this community, the people of God. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we are all re reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When I looked at this passage, there was one thing I'd never really seen before, one thing that I didn't really understand, and it was this bit that goes, Jesus ascended on high, took many captives, and gave gifts to his people. And when I read that, I was like, what, what does that mean? And actually, um, it's a reference to Psalm 68, 18. And as I did some research, I discovered that in the ancient world, when a king ruled over a city, and an enemy came to invade that city, the king would go personally to fight against the enemy. And if the king was victorious, and delivered his people, he would return triumphantly. He would sit on the throne. His presence would be in the midst of his people, and he would give out the gold, 
the plunder and all that he had found in his conquest and he would distribute it to his people. And these gifts had the ability to enrich an entire city. And when I thought about that, I realized that that is exactly what Jesus has done. You know, in day-to-day life, it's so easy to forget what God has already accomplished for us. But Jesus, on the cross, fought our deepest and worst enemy, and he won. He battled against the forces of darkness, and he was completely victorious. And because he is ultimately victorious, because his name stands above every other name, His name, the name of Jesus, is greater than every dominion, every power, every authority. That is the place of our peace. And it's when we forget that in life, that is when everything feels like it's shaking. Jesus, who sits as the king on the throne, gives out generous gifts to his people. And the passage is very specific. He doesn't just give gifts to some people or that group over there. He gives gifts to every single one of his people, every single person sitting here today and every single person watching online. God has given you a gift. But what are these gifts for? And what are they really about? Well, these gifts that God has given you, they give you purpose. These gifts are to be used to do good. These gifts are used to serve others. They are for us so that we can cultivate them and steward them and grow in them. They are gifts that at their very best have the power to change culture and transform society. These are the gifts that God has given you. And as I've prayed about what God might be inviting us to as a community at the start of 2024. I wonder whether he might be inviting us as a community on the fourth circle of the first month of whatever year of life that you're in to play our part and use our gifts to change culture, to change the culture in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, and in London. And I think it starts, I really think it starts by each person saying yes to God. It starts by being fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit and deciding to be a contributor and not a consumer to decide to be a multiplier and not a monopolizer, to choose to be a partner and not a power player, to be a community that is obsessed with service and not so obsessed with self. That sounds pretty countercultural to me. And when I looked into the difference between a contributor and a consumer, I discovered this. Contributors play their part. 
They take responsibility. They go the extra mile. They roll up their sleeves. They muck in and they get involved. And they plow and sow and invest. And they enjoy the rewards. That's a contributor. Consumers, on the other hand, they do very little. They feed on the success and hard work of others. They focus only on receiving. They complain about things they don't contribute to. And they often go absent when there's work to do. Now, in every place where I've ever been, in every workplace, in every city, in every neighborhood, and even in my own extended family, I know who the contributors are and I know who the consumers are. But in 2024, will you be a contributor or will you be a consumer? That's the question. I think God might be inviting us to unpack, wrestle and explore today. I probably shouldn't say this, but I do have a favorite part of the building here at HGB. We are one church and we have six sites, but my favorite part of the building is this mosaic above the altar here at Brompton Road. I remember walking into this church eight years ago and not knowing a single person. And I would sit in that row and I would look at that mosaic of Jesus and I would say to Jesus, Lord, I am here for you. What would you like me to do? And the reason I love this mosaic, which you can't really see because it's slightly obscured by the drum kit, is that it is a beautiful picture of Jesus made up of many different tiles, different shapes, different colors, different sizes, each with a unique role and part. And if any tile was missing, the picture of Jesus would be incomplete. The mosaic was designed by an artist called J.R. Clayton. It was made in Italy and it was installed here at Brompton Road in 1885. That was long before any one of us was here. And I have this feeling that this picture, this mosaic of Jesus, will still be here long after any one of us is gone. But when I look at the mosaic, when I look at the face of Jesus, it reminds me that every single one of us is like one of those tiles. You are created and crafted and made in the image of God. You are filled with his spirit. And through you, you reveal a unique facet of God's glory, beauty, and character. And every single piece has a place. Everyone has a seat at the table. And everyone gets to play. I don't know whether you come here on a Sunday and you wonder, what am I supposed to do here? Like I want to do more, but I don't really know. 
You have a part to play in painting a picture of the sun for all the world to see. I wonder whether God might be stirring and speaking today about what you might want to take a step of faith and try this year in 2024. I told you that I had a very honest conversation with God eight years ago. And because of the things that happened and because I'd lost my father so suddenly, I, I thought about death a lot. And I think that sometimes happens to people when they've lost someone they love. And I remember what I wrestled with was what I was going to say to God one day when I met him face to face. I would imagine standing before my maker in his presence. And when I thought about that conversation I wanted to have with God, it was like a video reel would play in my head. And this is how the scene plays out. I'm standing before my maker and he's glorious and wonderful and presence, his presence is so life transformative. And all I wanna do is get closer. And God kind of is smiling. I can feel his delight and his love. And then he very tenderly comes near to me in a really tender voice. And he says, come, let's have a chat. Tell me, what did you do for me with everything I gave you. And it wasn't a harsh voice. It wasn't an angry voice. It wasn't a condemning voice. It wasn't a guilt-inducing voice. But it was a bit like a father having a conversation with a child and saying, how was your day at school? Come, come and tell me everything. And as this scene played out, I would, um, I would start to feel a little bit nervous, like I was scrambling, like I was um, almost a little bit sweating. And I would say to God, um, well, I did serve on a team and I did lead a connect group once. And I started thinking about all of the things I had potentially done. But I know deep down, all my responses were totally inadequate. And that question, tell me, what did you do for me with everything I gave you has stayed with me because deep down I know that God has given me so much. God has opened so many doors for me in my life. He's shown me so much favour. He's been so generous with me. And yet I found myself scrambling. And eight years later, I still think about that every single day because time is finite. Every week that goes by, it won't be for forever. So what will you spend your life doing? And on the days where it gets really hard, when life feels really tough, when the battles feel thick and fast, and there is a part of you that just kind of wants to give up, and say to God, you know what, I just want an easier life. I could lead a life that's just comfortable and consumeristic. Whenever that, that part of you is kind of, wants to give up, 
There's a part of me that says, no. No, I will not give up. Because I know that God laid down his son for me. He laid down his life for me. And despite how things look now, I still believe he rules and reigns. I still believe that God is in control, that he is victorious, that one day he will return. He will sit on the throne. His presence will be in the midst of his people and he will make all things new. But until that day comes, I'm not giving up. I've given my life to Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. And my prayer in that moment is, Lord, give me strength and grace to steward everything you've given me. Every single thing you've given me, Lord, help me to steward it. And Jesus, would you help me? Help me. What do you think God might want you to do for him in 2024 with everything he's given you? Shall we pray? At church this week, we talked about Get Connected Sunday. We want everyone to play their part in the life of the church and it's so easy isn't it with these podcasts just to be broadcast at you and what we are aiming to do with our online community is to help people pull up a chair to join us as part of the conversations part of the online community you can still get involved serving on teams online whether that's through online alpha or through an online connect group here's a little story from john who's part of the production team here at htb Hi, I'm John. I'm part of the production team at HTB. I'm on team roughly every three weeks, which is always a highlight. So on a normal day, I get here pretty early, which is not as bad as it sounds. The first thing I do as soon as I get in, I'll go and say hello to everyone, have a quick catch up and just see how everyone's doing. So once we've set up all the cameras, we're happy with how everything's looking. We'll go and have a team brief with the rest of production and worship. Again, we'll have a big catch up. We'll see how everyone's doing and we'll all pray together. So before I joined the production team, I'd actually never used a camera before, but the team were really supportive, really helps me to kind of progress and learn this new craft, which I'm really passionate about now. There's lots of people who are involved in it. There's the sound team, the lighting team, all with their own unique skills. It's really lovely seeing everybody come together, ultimately bringing everyone close to Jesus. One thing I've found since joining the team is the difference that it's had on my days and my weeks. I've been able to meet some of my closest and most genuine friends through the production team. It's given me such an excitement for the role, for the church and for the community. I know from my other friends that it's not just the production team that get this feeling. Doing church and life together is what it's all about. If you'd like to join a team, why not head to our webpage where all the different teams are explained and you can choose your favourite one. It's htb.org forward slash join a team. Can't wait to be with you again next week. Have a great week.